Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport, the home of cycling, brought to you by Zwift. Find your fun with the cycling app where fun is fast. I'm Graham Wilgos. Brad, we're back in business for the Vuelta. We are. Feels like such a long time ago since we last did a pod together, Graham. Since last we spoke, you were off to Tokyo. Yeah. And I was off home. You was. Yeah. Quite rightly so. (laughs) (laughs) You were banned after breaking the door, weren't you? (laughs) (laughs) You blew their insurance budget. I thought that might come up again. (laughs) Ripped the door off the van like, what did you call it? Like a tin of sardines. (laughs) McDonald's drive-thru of all places, which was off the road, which technically it wasn't insured because it was an off-the-road incident. (laughs) Good. Well, moving swiftly on. Also in Tokyo with you was our guest this afternoon, this evening. Hello, all of Hello, hello. And I didn't break any doors. And I heard the worst part about that story, Graham. I've heard all this third hand by now. But the worst part that you were livid because you had to hold onto the car door and you couldn't reach your chicken nuggets. They they left me me standing with the door. Two two lanes of traffic going back and forth with most of the the race vehicles. But the funny thing was, you remember when... And I couldn't reach my nuggets. I could could see them and I could smell them, but I couldn't reach them. And then UAE turned up, didn't they? And all got drive through, didn't they? About five minutes before we were out of there, they turned up. The UA yeah. bus turned up. Pagatra and everyone get off the bus and go get nuggets. No, happy meal. And if we'd have been five minutes longer, they we'd have stood there with we'd have <laughs> with the door, a door, and, and maybe you know Tade Pagatra in his yellow jersey with me holding a door. Can I <laughs> ask? A did the door get fixed, and B did you get your nuggets? Uh, yes and yes. Oh, kind wonderful. of. We booted the got, door back on. <laughs> yes. Brad <laughs> made sure the door. Brad <laughs> made sure the door closed, and then we we had to switch it out at uh, Bordeaux Airport. So it it wasn't the the worst diversion in the world. After all, I was I was thinking we're not even going to get Brad to Paris at this mm. point. This is going to be an Brad absolute disaster. <laughs> well, I, I mission I, get Brad to Paris. Um, no, but, but we nearly a, did it was the a day after when you drove. But, <laughs> <laughs> that was a nice hey, story. Hey, <laughs> I get an unfair. Graham way. goes from the fast lane to the middle lane and then off to the services by indicating and then braking and brake and brake and brake. <laughs> <laughs> Across three loads of carriages. I feel like I missed out on this little tour de France. He needs to get to 10 miles an hour before he hits the slip road. <laughs> <laughs> also, coming onto the motorway, he breaks, and where the, the line stops, he stops and waits for someone to let him in. I'm just going to let like this play. Like a sign. I'm just going to let this play. Oh, brilliant. Anyway. Anyway, anyway we've Swiftly all made it back on. safe. It's all Here good. P- pleased to see you. How was Tokyo? Sum it up for oh, us. Hard work. And amazing. Amazing. It was really, really, really long days, wasn't it, Brad? Yeah, really long. But it, mm. I, I had the best time. I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was. I wasn't yeah. expecting to enjoy it as much. And I think we were lucky with the crowds, weren't we? Yeah. We got a lot of events where crowds were mm-hmm. at. Um, but yeah, I think it was a brilliant experience all round, really. And long, long awaited, wasn't it? Five years. Mm. Mm. So. And I'm, your first time on that side of it as well. It was great. The track was best of a lot. 
Road racing was a bit odd, wasn't it, out on that motor racing circuit? Yeah, it was hard, and it was. I think it's because yeah. it was the first. They were the first events as well. Mm. It didn't feel to me at that stage. It didn't feel like the Olympics because we just come off the mm. Tour de France, and we'd seen uh, the women as well at La Course, and I felt like we were just at another bike race, a bit, yeah. a bit different, but just another bike race. And it wasn't until after the road races that I felt like, oh mm. right, okay, now we're at the Olympic Games. Yeah, yeah. But it was it was wonderful. Highlights, as in event highlights. What did, what did you enjoy watching? Tom Pidcock was great. The BMX girls, Bethany Shriver, she's just won a world title as well on tobacco. Kai White, that was the two for me. Tom Dumoulin getting his medal and uh, Annemiek van Fluten as well getting her gold. That was um, so hard fought for over such a long time. I thought that was beautiful. And and Tom's story was just brilliant. And the way he, he spoke about it afterwards I thought was wonderful as well. Mm. Just brilliant. We should also bring everyone up to date with the Vuelta. Yeah, what's happened? Who, who well, <laughs> well, this is what I'm about to ask you. It seems to have followed the same pattern, really, that we expected, really. Primoz Rodlich looks pretty much the man to beat. Mm. It's his to lose. And lots of surprises around it as well, like the comeback of Jakobsen mm. winning a couple of stages. Quick step. They seem to win every year on the vault, mm. don't they? Mm. Uh, just you know, phenomenal with different riders as well. So Florian Seneschal, who won mm. yesterday, was the 16th different rider to do so for mm. Quick Step this season, for the uh, Quick Step this season. Their 52nd win of the season. So 16 riders have shared 52 wins. Mm. That's what I find phenomenal. It's their 16th different rider. Mm. And their mm. riders win multiple races. Mm. You know, I think I th the way that they manage to so quickly turn around the fact that Fabio Jakobsen wasn't contesting and, and we'll get to this we're sort of jumping ahead but wasn't able to contest that final sprint and it was still their man for us across the line it's, it's just unreal it's phenomenal mm. well as, as we're on it it was a, an interesting um, way that Fabio Jakobsen approached Seneschal after mm. the stage to say well to, to, to speak his mind really because he was left behind the sprint train his sprint train left him behind they were so powerful in that final two yeah. kilometers that he couldn't follow the wheel and there were there was talk afterwards about whether he had a mechanical or whether he had a flat um or whether he just didn't have the legs and i, th I think 24 hours afterwards it's it's clear to see that he, he just didn't have the power to, to follow them um and, and it ended up being a straight shoot between seneschal and trenton but we let's hear that clip now before we before we pick this apart <laughs> But if you don't look behind, you are not in the Yeah, yeah, I, I, I asked you guys, wait, no, wait. Yeah. But we are in front, then we no, wait after a corner, right? No, because we have a gap, and it's been out with coffee, I'm behind. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I said, congrats, yeah. and then I say, you sprinter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if they go too fast. No, you go slow after a corner. Jakobsen there, Brad, saying, to approaching Sanashal and saying congratulations but you're no lead out man if you're not looking behind you what do you make of that yeah I mean I watched Dan Lloyd do his breakdown earlier actually um, of it and um, Dan had kept quite a close eye on it and it just looked simply like he was pissed off because he, he didn't have the legs really he kept losing the, the, the wheel through the roundabouts and the various corners up to that point and I think that they were just riding such a, a hard tempo on the front that he was he, he simply couldn't hold the wheel and swung out and I think he was more sort of pissed off at the finish, really, that he mm. kind of felt a bit embarrassed and sort of lashed out at the team, really, uh, more than anything, that he couldn't keep up with them. So it's a bit... And, and obviously, you know, we, they catch that sound in the, in the aftermath straight after, really, and riders are, you know, fresh off the bike and things like that. And he'd probably look at it in hindsight and be a little bit embarrassed with himself that it was caught on camera. But, 
you know, those things happen and that's the beauty of this sport as well. We get to see little bits like that. Mm. So. It's sort of heat at the moment in a way. Was that Jakobsen kind of stamping his authority as the, the alpha male sprinter in that team there, do we think? Yeah, 100%. But I, I, I'm, I'm really curious about this because I've never been a racer. I don't know what the adrenaline is like in those moments and the mentality that it takes, you know, from the inside. But I, f- I find it really fascinating that he, he clearly had radio through, you know, he stopped sprinting with some, or, or even trying to get back on the on the sprint train with a kilometre or so to go. So he wasn't riding at the same pace. So he didn't have the same surge of adrenaline by the time he reached the line. So he would have had time, you know, physiologically to uh, be a bit more settled. And yet the first thing he said to Seneschal was, yes, congratulations. But immediately and twice he said, but if you want to be my leader, man, you don't do that. And I find it really interesting because he and Seneschal apparently are such good friends. And Seneschal was the first rider to come across um, Jakobsen when he had that terrible crash at the Tour of Poland. He alerted the medical assistant straight away. His friends and family said that Seneschal saved his life. Obviously, that's not what you're thinking about in the moment, but it creates a, a bond that you're, that you're not conscious of. It's just there. And I was just... I just find it really interesting, Bradley, and I wanted to know from you the fact that he said, yes, congratulations, but didn't leave the butt until later. And, mm. and yeah, he was caught on camera, but he's going to know there's a camera right there. It was yeah. in his face. Um, were, were you surprised by the fact that he was so vocal about saying congratulations, but don't do that, dude, twice? A little bit, yeah, because you'd, be, you'd actually think if there's anyone else that he'd rather see mm. win, it would be that person. Yeah. With the history that they have. So, yeah, it's a strange one. We couldn't work it out, really, but we... I think also it didn't become a bigger news story as we thought it would. Yeah. Which was strange. Mm. I mean, we're talking about it now, but... Um, but it, no one else seems no to have picked up no, on it, which no. I've been really surprised by. And I was wondering, is that because this... I don't know if this is awful to say, but is has what has happened to Fabio Jakobsen made him untouchable in that way? Do people not want to say anything bad about there him? Is, there or? is maybe that, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if he was asked this morning about it at mm. all. Not that we're aware. Mm. I was thinking as well, it's maybe because he's he's now looking at the week, or he knows in the week ahead, he's got maybe one more chance to win a sprint. Yeah, and he's, but he's got the, the green jersey over. Points. Yeah, and, yeah, and no one else contested that intermediate sprint yesterday. So mm. essentially, he's the only sprinter now who can win it. Mm. So it's between the sprints and the GC, really. And, and he doesn't necessarily have control over that. So mm. yeah, he would have had an extra, you know, brace of points at the line. But he ha- but he's got a decent lead in that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he's. Like you say, it's it's nigh on a hundred points, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he yeah he's he is the only it's Magnus Court is number two in that competition. Yeah, the whole thing's strange, isn't it? Mm. I mean, if your team still wins, you 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 think you'd be pretty happy about it. Mm. I guess that's the winning mentality, though, is it? Yeah, that's the yeah. sprinter's mentality. And you think where he's come from, you think he'd be happy with what he's got, mm. really, wouldn't you? But you know, he wants but then maybe more. that's what's got him to where he is. Exactly, you know, that mental it. strength and ruthlessness, almost. Uh, absolutely, you know? yeah. Intermarché Wanty Gobert seem to have discovered a, a winning mentality in this tour as well, from green to the red jersey, currently worn by odd Christian Eiking. Um, for them, after uh, Rain Tarame, he's the second uh, ride from that team to have worn it in this tour. Um, surprised to see them in red so late in the so late in the in the race. No, I think we spoke about it earlier that um, Jumbo Visma seemed to be happy to have given the jersey up at certain points in the race and. Obviously, the last time they gave it up, they've given it to, to back to Wanty Goubert and it, it suits them, although it's now becoming a bit of a problem for them, I think, because they're still having to race in the same way as if they've got the jersey. Mm. But um, it probably took the pressure off the last couple of days since they gave that jersey and um, 
But I think he's getting to the stage now with these tougher stages. I mean, it's okay on those flat stages like yesterday where Wanty will ride and take up the, the, the tempo, as the, the, which gives Jumbo Visma a bit of a break. But when we get into the stages like today and tomorrow, they have to take it up anyway. So there's no, they, you know, they may as well be in the jersey because they're riding as if they've got the jersey. But um, I don't know, really. It's a funny one. Jumbo have, have got the, the beauty of having someone like Rolich who is clearly confident, you know, and mm. um, he's going for his third win here. It's his, his, his race to lose, really. And, and the likes of Bernal and that, they're a couple of minutes down on him. There's a reason for that. And, and Primoz is the man into this last week. Yeah, I mean, he, I've never seen him look more relaxed at a Grand Tour. No, everyone was saying that just in some of his interviews and the things yeah. he was saying. Yeah. He's been giggling. Mm. He's, he's like perceptibly giggled twice and it's an odd thing to listen to mm. because, of, because he usually comes on and he's, he's quite monosyllabic, you, yeah. you know, in interviews before. But he, he really seems relaxed. He's having fun with the media, you know, I mean, relatively speaking. But um, yeah, he seems to just be enjoying it, really. And I guess he's already saved his season, you mm. know, and he doesn't need to prove anything at this race either. So he's looking confident, I would say. Yeah, so he took the opening time trial, two stage wins, mm. um, two second places as well. Magnus Court just about held him off <laughs> for the first of, of his stage wins. What do we expect from, from Roglic going to this final week? So we saw at the end of today, which we'll come on to, but Jumbo went to the front after the breakaway had gone across yeah. the line and they really controlled that run into the line. I think they'll do the same tomorrow, but I think they'll have a lot more impetus in it. And I think that they'll ride to really, you know, because as, as one of the teammates said today, the young, the young kid at the end there was talking Sam about... Sam yeah, yeah. That they expected more of attacks from other GC riders today and that didn't come. And that was probably from the, the, the gradient, the climb and just the tempo they were setting. Because Sepkus and that, they, you know, he's in the top 10, he's going well. Mm -hmm. So I think they'll ride tomorrow and naturally from doing that, they'll probably end up taking the jersey back because of the severity of the course. If they can sort of... And if the red jersey can hang on and get to the rest day with the red jersey, then so be it. But they need to take that jersey back now, really, and, and start firing away to the next this next five, six days after the rest day. I always think Jumbo Wiesma are flattering to deceive a little bit because in the first week, we didn't... It's difficult with the Vuelta in particular because we don't watch the race from the start to the finish, so we don't know what's happening in the early stages of a stage. But we didn't see them controlling as much as we've been used to seeing them. And, and we've started to see that a little bit now. But I wonder how much of that is simply because the other teams are not doing it and they're not capable of doing it. Movistar, for example, are down to six riders. Ineos Grenadiers have lost um, Richard Carapaz today and, and their GC ambitions are not as coherent as we would have expected them to be. Barry and Victorious as well, we expected them to be riding for Mikel Landa. He's on bottle duty. So I don't know if Jumbo Visma are actually looking better in because of the foil of the other teams, you know, mm. and that they're just not looking as cohesive and as strong, but it certainly makes Jumbo Visma look good at this stage. Mm. Awful lot to unpack there from that short little burst from you, Orla. So where to start, really? <laughs> Let's start with Carapaz and, and Ineos losing one of their main men. Are you surprised, and this question to both of you, are you surprised that Carapaz has got this far, given the season he's had? Are you surprised he's got this far in the Vuelta? He's, he's given all he had at the Tour, finished on the podium on GC. He's then won gold in the road race at the Olympics. His whole season was building up to the tour and then he's added the welter on, on top of it. I'm amazed that he's got this far through. It was always going to go one of two ways, wasn't it? Yeah. You're either going to keep that momentum going and be absolutely flying into the off season or you're going to crash and burn, you know? And he did say he would have loved to have, or maybe that was Tom Pidcock. They've got so many Olympic champions in that blinking team. Um, but you would imagine after the stress of getting to Tokyo and, and 
you know, winning that gold medal the way that he did, you would be exhausted and, and kind of looking forward to a celebration. Mm. But equally, you could just as easily see him coming into this and flying and being the main contender to Primoz Roglic. But given that he's not, given that he was so far back, um, not a surprise to see him go home, I don't think, Bradley. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame that he didn't. I mean, with one week to go, why he didn't concentrate on just helping Bernal's mm. efforts. You what know, does that say about their faith in Bernal, I wonder? Well, there is that. But also, this Walter team, they've still got some big names up there, like Adam, obviously, and um, and Egan. But they're a, they're a team. They look like they look such a different team now mm. to what they did at the Tour, and even more so what they looked at the Giro. The Giro, we sat here saying, is this the year that Ineos are going to win all three, yeah. three Grand Tours? And every year, it just sort of it falls away towards the end of the year. And, and we're back to sort of the Ineos squad of the Tour last year, really, that they never seem to get it right over those three Tours. Even... So, you know, even with the, the, the strength in depth that they have, you know, the big team leaders that they have. So obviously at the Tour, they had Geraint and Carapace uh, and Teo. Um, and obviously Geraint crashed, but uh, the, the other guys didn't really perform, did they? Carapace got third, but I mean, he's a Giro d'Italia winner. Here they've brought Carapace and Bernal, and they're not, they're not challenging. You've got two guys there on over four million in euro each. You know, they're not, they're not dominant, whereas, whereas um, Jumbo Visma seem to be the most dominant squad still. They get it right every Grand Tour, and we're the same riders pretty much as well. And I find that odd, you know. Is this? Is this? I don't know what what it is there. Whether you know the rumblings in the camp that you know G about his contract and things like that. The tour, this back end of the season, just it hasn't gone the way it was looking to be going. It looked like everything had come back, you know, after the disappointment last year. Mm. At the Giro this year, it looked like God, this squad now, you know, this squad's going to go to the Volta, and we've got the Tour squad still to come, but. They've ended up being quite disappointed at this race. I wonder a few things in there. I think we forget um, the sad, tragic passing of Nico Portal. Mm. Um, that was just last year, wasn't it? Um, mm. He was such a cohesive force within that team and a real unifying force. Then they lost Rod Ellingworth. He's come back in again. Now, I feel like in a, from a management um, structural point of view, it's in a real transition period. And Dave Brailsford has talked about maybe moving on from the team and maybe yeah. he's done everything. So I think that side of it is in transition. But I also wonder whether the fear that everyone outside the team at Express is, has maybe started to come true, whether, whereby they have too many champions. Yeah. You know, and back in your day, Bradley, it was all behind you or it was all behind you and Chris. Yeah, that's and, it. And I remember when, when you came to the Tour de France with two leaders, it was almost shocking. Yeah, yeah. How are they going to manage that? Yeah. They came to this Tour de France with four leaders yeah. and even into the G into the Vuelta with three, you know, and, and some of them Grand Tour winners, multiple Grand Tour winners. Yeah. It's a really difficult thing to try to juggle. It's a funny dynamic, yeah. yeah. And Yuma Visma don't have that. They're no. all behind Roglic. That's it, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it's just, um, it's a funny one, isn't it? Yumbo Visma, yet again, it's the same old faces, really. And, and mm. you know, you could have predicted that in, when we were in Tokyo, mm. that Rolich would be up there. Yeah. That's what comes with him, is that consistency. He never has a bad race, does he? Mm. Well, does, he just Either got he phenomenally crashes. unlucky, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, but we've seen him go down a couple... Yeah, 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 yeah. But he never has a he bad race. He doesn't underperform. Never underperforms. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so Bernal is 2 minutes 45 behind Roglic mm. at the moment on GC. In between them, we've got Jack Haig, barring victorious, um, and then two Movistar riders, Enrique Mass and uh, Superman Lopez. Yeah. Movistar are looking like they can do something here well, for, for the first so, yeah. time in a long time. And they, they, were, they were the team that tried today as well, with Lopez mm. in the final. It's whether they got enough to dislodge Rolich over the next, next week or so. I don't think they have, personally. But Movistar, this is their world championships as well, isn't it? They, mm. This is the race that they, they have to win, if mm. you like. So... Um, you, you can you, for sure they will try, 
but um, so I can't see anyone outside of that really. I can't. I think we saw Jack Haig today. He said everything else after this is just a bonus now, so I can't see him really mm -hmm. pushing the envelope out. Around that, yeah, that's why that's why I worry really. There's only Burnout and Adam Yates really, but Adam got distance today again. Mm. I think Burnout though, who will have more in the tank this last week. I wouldn't write him off just yet. Mm. What do we think of Jack Hay? Is he capable? I mean, like you said, Orla, Mikel Landers come in as the as their GC man, and then yesterday we've seen him on Bottle GT, so it sort of suits them in a way from what we've seen at the Giro with Caruso, Caruso taking a stage. Um, in this race as well. But Jack Haig now coming in with very little pressure on his shoulders, perhaps looking for stages. And now all of a sudden he's he's looking, when you finish with the with the, the main four, the GC4, I mean, at the end of today. Mm. I think it's a phenomenal race for him already. And if he keeps that position, he'll be really happy. And that's probably the problem. Um, if, you're, if you're fighting to defend your GC position, which is more than you would have expected, you're not likely to go all out and lose it. I don't think he's the kind of rider to be explosive in a climb, and that's what you're going to need to be able to break Primoz Roglic. Mm. I do still think that Movistar are a danger. I do. I think it would be an upset. It would be an, an upset if they managed to um, unseat Roglic, but it's not impossible. And I, I kind of like the fact that they've got Mass as their main man. But it was Angel Lopez going on the attack today. And you could easily see one day where Roglic, Jumbo Visma are caught on the hop. Either of those two riders goes up the road and that's it. They're in red. They're not so far off. I mean, Mass is still only, what, 35 seconds back. You know, that's just a bad day, a significantly bad day for Roglic. But it's certainly possible. The fact they've got those two cards to play is really good. And and they've just been so much more encouraging than ever before. I mean, that's not that difficult because they, they always have become a bit of a cliche. Mm. But certainly with um, Pachi Villa coming to that team two years ago and he's talking about changing the team and changing how they race and changing the culture, something's working in there. And they're for sure a, a big threat coming into the last week. And they're the ones that, that Jumbo Visma are going to be watching out for. The thing is, they don't have that strength in numbers, but what they do have is a really sharp attack off the front. So... Mm. Um, I'm really excited to see what they can do and I hope they deliver on this threat partly because everybody laughs at them every year and I think that's really unfair and also partly because it's great to see them contesting something that's not the team classification for once. Sure. Um, and doing it without Valverde as well mm. uh, having crashed out in his 30th Grand Tour. Yeah, Probably his last maybe. Mm. Well he signed, signed up for next season yeah. so yeah. he goes on and on. <laughs> mm. He looked disappointed enough anyway for did, it to suggest yeah. it could be his last yeah. welter. But. Because I think the way he crashed out as well it was you, you couldn't really work out why he crashed. Yeah. So there was clearly something that wasn't very kind of racy about it. You know, you consider some of the descents he's done in the past and mm. it was almost a bit unfair really for him to see if that was the last we're going to see of him, which it isn't, but um, yeah. he'll be He'll back. be riding in a Zimmer frame, that boy. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, so a man at one end of his career, we presume, he's, he's coming to the end of it, um, <laughs> to a man who's who's really beginning his, his road career, certainly Tom Pidcock, mm. who we didn't mention among the Ineos riders. He's been quietly impressive working for the team. We saw him in the break today. Brad, you caught up with him, obviously, after he won gold mm. um, in the mountain bike. What, what did he say to you in Itsu? Because um, um, you, you I think you talked about his progression from this point. What does he want to yeah, do? Yeah, what does he do next? Because we talk a lot about what, he, what he's going to focus on. Does he focus on... Uh, the road now with Ineos, is he, is he a classics rider? Is he going to be a Grand Tour rider? But he was quite clear, wasn't he? On, yeah, well, Anne Brailsford said to me in Paris that, that he's their next project for the Tour. Yeah. You know, and I think I said that to him. I put it to him and he said, um, well, he was very clear. You know, he, he didn't, he said, I want to ride the World Mountain Bike Championships next year and I want to come back in uh, the next Olympic Games in three years' time and I want to win 
the mountain bike title again and I want to try and win the Rotor and Time Trial titles. Mm. And so you can see that's a very clear next three years pathed out in his head already, just as he's won Olympic gold. And there was no mention of, you know, I want to try and do the Tour de France or see how I go, you know, things like that, because he'll only be 24 after mm. the next Olympic Games. So he's got time. But that's why he's as good as he is, because he knows what he wants and he's not being swayed either way. And I think he sees things like this Grand Tour, this this sort of um, welter and that as like a, this is just all part of the stepping stones towards that. And he amounts pressure on himself and doesn't get too disheartened when it doesn't go well at the right time. But when he dis when he mounts pressure on himself, he delivers. Mm. You remember the Volta two years ago when Teo, his first Grand mm. Tour, and remember the disappointment mm, in the first yeah, few days when he lost that time? Yeah. And he's so hard on himself. Mm. Whereas t I think that's that's the difference in someone like Teo as well, is that Teo got his success eventually last year, but but Tom's something different. Tom's just an out and Tom out. Tom, it feels winner. like a destiny. A very, he's thing, got a mature it? head on him. Mm. And he knows exactly what he wants to do. And there's almost no sway in him when you're in a team like Ineos even and they want you to be the next Tour de France project. You don't take it as an honour. Mm. It's just, it kind of, that's not part of his career plan. Oh, I was going to say just just how we see that on the road because because often riders will come in and say, I'm just here for the experience. But really, in the back of their mind, they want to be able to do something. With him, he was doing wheelies up the final climb yesterday. You know, that's not someone who's here secretly harbouring ambitions. He's literally here to experience what a grand tour is. <laughs> I think it's wonderful. No-handed wheelies as well. <laughs> Amazing pick. Um, but there's... There, I mean, that's a bit of fun, but there doesn't seem to be any arrogance to him, the way no, he talks not. about his plans as well and, no, and what he no. wants to do. I think some people could mistake it for arrogance, you know, certain, but there's certainly none of that when I speak to him. He's just, um, he's, he's actually very, very nice and very clear and concise about what he wants to achieve. And there's no arrogance in that. He's not, he's talking about his performance objectives and not, you know, kind of who he's going to beat and how he's going to do it. There's a very, there is a difference. There's mm. no arrogance if you can not back it up. You're just confident. You're just backing yourself. He knows what he's capable of. It's arrogant if you can't do it. You know, he's not overblowing his potential. He knows exactly what he can yeah. do. Mm. He finished fourth today. So let's talk about today's stage, stage 14 mm. of the Vuelta. The man who won it, though... Uh, money, money. <laughs> <laughs> you love that, don't you? I do. Come on, you, the, you start that's it. the only bit of the song I know. <laughs> <laughs> what song's that? Oh, I've got to play it for you. You oh. know the song, no? No, I don't know. <laughs> oh, Bradley, well, you're no. killing me. <laughs> In the meantime, um, Roman Bardet, I was a little bit surprised he was allowed to get into the break so easily because he was always... Once the break had formed, he was always going to be the strongest given yeah. the course ahead and given the final is it climb. easy though? Uh, yeah, maybe easy is the wrong word, but there was, you certainly didn't see the same fight from the pack. There wasn't attack after attack to, to try and stop the break going. Once the break was, was gone, it was gone. Mm. And, I guess and that's as well because he's not a threat on GC. Yeah. It's really funny. We were talking with Nico Roach on the sofa here about the composition of breakaways and how racing has changed uh, since COVID. And he was saying how, for example, I mean, yesterday we saw a three-man break go up the road um, from the wildcard teams. Usually that's what we see. And they'll be given like eight minutes, ten minutes, and then they're eventually brought in. Yesterday they were given no more than two minutes. And these days we're more likely to see a massive group go up the road with really strong stage contenders. And he was saying how he believes that that's because when we come back from COVID... Riders had no idea how many races they would have. They would n have no idea whether their contracts are going to be renewed. And so there's a desperation with riders fighting for every stage of every race. And he thinks that's what's continued. And it's just become a different style of racing now, I think. And, th yeah. and that, to me, explains a little bit why Bardet got up the road. Because if it's not him, it's going to be... I mean, Jay Vine was in there, Pidcock in there. You know, you've got seriously strong riders who are able to get in breakaways these yeah. days.
Jay Vine was very impressive. You mentioned mm-hmm. there, not least because he hit the deck going back to the team car, the Alperson Phoenix team car, either collecting or returning bottles. Yeah. And Brad, pick this one up for us because I know you analysed this earlier on the yeah. breakaway. Um, and he he went down. He he sort of collided with the car and, mm. and hit the deck. And he was going a fair lick as well. That would yeah. have been. Yeah, I mean, he, it looked he like he took car. a bottle, and as he put the bottles in sort of that was getting distanced a little bit more than he should have done by the group and the team car kind of put his hand out again and and rather than the last bottle rather than put it in his cage or whatever he put it back into the director's hand so it looked like he was still taking a bottle so to take a sticky bottle but he'd already took the bottle rather than just hold on to the hand because then it would have been you know obvious and as he's done that i think the right the, the, the team manager has almost like grabbed the bottle and his hand and and then accelerated and it just he didn't have the arm strength to sort of pull it really so he's ended up going down that's that's what looks like it's happened so completely one of the, it's a bit of a freak accident but they were trying to get an unfair advantage if you like they were trying to take a sticky bottle mm. rather than just doing it in the moment he'd already took his bottle so it was unfortunate because no one wants to see someone hit the deck like that and he really looked hurt didn't he mm. Mm. Do you think but, that was a lack of racecraft then, given where he's come I think from? The team manager, really, as well. Yeah. You know, t- team manager instructed it by holding his hand back out for him to do it. Mm. You know, and I think if anything, throw that bottle away and take another bottle. So yeah. a bit of an experience as well. When we say given where he's come from, as in he's come up through, he's come into professional cycling by winning the Zwift, Zwift Academy, Academy last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's he's ridden road races before. He rode the Harold Sun Tour last year and finished fifth or something, I think. So it's not that he's brand new to road racing, mm. but it, there's a big difference between that, you know, growing up, through, yeah. going through the Belgian races and all the rest of it and learning your craft on the road. Um, he's come into it because of his physiological prowess, if you like, in... Yeah. in Zwift racing, which is in, which is entirely different, of course. So that's what I question, you know, whether there could be an element of that. I mean, he clearly is an excellent bike rider and, yeah. you know, he, he's not gotten to where he is now. And I don't just mean on the team, but the fact that he finished second at the Tour of Turkey, he finished fifth in the Queen's stage of Burgos. He's in, he's he, he can race, you know, he can race a bike. It's not just his um, date and his numbers. But I just wonder whether things like that, you know, where you're not used yeah. to maybe the um, little telltale signs, you know, or a bit of eye contact with the race director or the sports director, whatever it might be, and um, that maybe that could have caught him out a little bit. Mm. But he got back on. And then <laughs> when... Some. And then, yeah, and then when Barde animated the, the, the race to the line, if you like, with 12 kilometres to go, it was Pidcock and it was Vine who were following him. Um, so to be able to go down that like that and, and crash that hard and then seem to be gasping for breath, we're, yeah. we're, we're wondering whether he's even going to get back on his bike at all. He must have lost minutes as well. Yeah, and then to be able to, so maybe he did get that sticky bottle after all. <laughs> maybe he learned. <laughs> um, but very, a very impressive day from him, nonetheless. Back to Bardet, who not only takes the stage win, but he takes the KOM jersey too. Do we now think that he... Does he go for another stage stage win? Does he defend the KOM points? I think Does he both. see that through to the end? Mm. Yeah, I think by naturally by defending that he'll be up the front and he'll be challenging for stages as well, particularly in the third week of racing where everything's kind of all the competitions are kind of established, if you like. Yeah, and the people going for those competitions are already sort of established. So, yeah, I think he'll end up doing both. I feel like as a racer, Bardet, eh? I yeah. think he, he wants to go. He's for become those a stage racer. Wins. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 And he's one king of the mountains at the Tour de France. Mm. I mean, obviously you want to win as much as you can through your career, mm. but it's not going to be a career highlight for him. Whereas I think what you get from a stage win in terms of confidence yeah. is exactly what he needs right now. You know, he went three and a half years without a stage win before Burgos. Mm. So to get two within a month must give him such renewed faith in himself. You're going to want to take that somewhere rather than try to conserve 
any lead that you might have in King of the Mountains, you would imagine. Mm. And is is this does this sort of now signal uh, a, a new departure for him as a as a rider? So rather than being sort of France's next great yeah, Grand Tour so. hope. Are we looking at him now as, as, as a slightly different rider? A bit of a Mollimer, really, yeah. you know? Yeah. I think so. It'd be very difficult to go back now and, and challenge for the likes of the Tour de France with um, not only Rolich there, but um, Pogacar. Pogacar now and, and the new generation that's come through. Yeah, well, DSM don't seem to have the team for it. No, no. And um, I think I think he's he will now sort of pick up that role. Maybe Paranises and things like that he'll go for, but... I think his Grand Tour, maybe certainly the Tour de France anyway, because mm. he was top 10 at the Giro mm. this year, wasn't he? But I think those Tour de France challenging as a Tour de France winner is probably beyond him now at 30 years of age. Mm. I is think DSM do best when they're going on stage hunts anyway, and I don't know if that's just me being a fan and wanting to see that kind no, of I racing. Is, yeah. um, but they don't seem to control races quite as well for a general classification as they do yeah. being able to react really quickly and spontaneously and... Um, unexpectedly when it comes to stage hunting. I, I, personally, I much prefer to see that from them. I think mm. they're brilliant at it. Mm. I was almost surprised to see Bardet do it, particularly not being in France because we've not seen him win a, a World Tour race outside of France mm. up until today. Yeah. Um, he won in Burgos, but that was his, that was think, his first. Yeah. 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 So this is his second outside of... Yeah, but I think this is his first um, Grand Tour. World, World Tour race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it was a, a Category 2 race, I think, mm. Burgos. Yeah, you're making me doubt myself now, Ola. I <laughs> know you <laughs> can well be right. <laughs> we'll, bre- we'll, we'll break with more from the Bradley Wiggins we'll show have a Google break. after this. <laughs> Brad, we're sponsored by Zwift, the cycling app where fun is fast but also unlocks performance. I'm a big fan getting on there with the boys, David and Stephen, as you know. Yeah. I've been exploring a few of the training plans. Oh, yeah, tell me about it. Well, Training plans on Zwift help you improve every single time. I'm currently on board with G's training plan. Garrett Thomas, fun is flying uphill. I bet that's a tough one. It's not easy. This workout focuses on improving your muscular endurance, a pillar of any great time trialist like you, Brad, mountain climber or stage racer, to help you deal with hard surges and improve your ability to fly uphill. That's quite good, Graham. Is that, and do you find it's helping you improve? Helps you improve just because it's so easy to use. And if you want to find out just how simple that is, there's a special offer, a seven-day free trial. Find out more, download the app today. Welcome back to the Bradley Wiggins Show brought to you by Zwift, the cycling app that makes training fun because fun is fast. We left off on uh, Roman Bardet. cliffhanger. Yeah, a cliffhanger (laughs) of uh, the potential for for a little help from Google. A little more on the GC men that that we might be looking to, um, to see more from. The gap now, it seems to me, between, certainly in this Grand Tour, between Roglic and the rest and... You know, looking ahead possibly to, to next year between Pogaccia and the rest seems so large. Mm. Why are we seeing such a massive gap between the main man at, at these different Grand Tours and the rest of the pack? I'm not too sure at this stage, to be honest. Um, we got a glimpse of that last year with the same two, didn't we? Pogaccia mm. and, and they're both Slovenian, obviously, and, and Rolic. This year, Rolic crashed out, but Pogaccia obviously won with the, the gap that he did. And then this welter, depending what the gap is by the time we get to the end of this race, it's, it's become more apparent. Even Bernal at the Giro d'Italia was a good five, six minutes, wasn't he? He was head and shoulders above everyone so, there. I mean, yeah. I don't know at this stage. It's, it's the first year we've seen it, really. So I haven't really sort of reviewed it yet and had a look as to why that is. But the gap yeah. certainly has become bigger. And there's a massive change of the guard, that's for sure. 
from this sort of the way Ineos did it or Team Sky. And that dominance just doesn't happen anymore. It does with the individual individual performances like Bernal, but Bernal's Giro win was an individual performance. Although the team played their part, every team plays their part in a GC win. Mm. But the way that Team Sky won before with me, G and Froome was um, much more the implement of, of the, the, the whole structure of Team Sky. And it was a new thing, wasn't it? Mm-mm-mm. And that, I think that hasn't worked for him since then, since those days, um, although it has for Bernal. But Bernal is, is, is a different rider. Bernal's come through a system which is completely different to Sky. And he will win anyway, a bit like Carapaz, you know. So I'm not sure what it is anymore. Um, I really I, haven't. I think sometimes we've got really short um, sight when it comes to things like this. As in, we think right now we are in the, in the middle of or the beginning of this massive era of dominance. It could be next year totally different. Mm. And that might sound like it's um, fanciful. But when Egan Bernal took to the top step of the podium in Paris, he wasn't even, he didn't even have his presentation yet when we were all saying... Mm. He's going to win yeah. three, four, five, six Tours de France. You know, he doesn't look anywhere near that right now. He could do. But we bestow this historic significance on these riders before they've actually achieved it. You know, if you look at Chris Froome, he was unbeatable until he wasn't. Mm. So they are head and shoulders above everyone else. To my mind, that doesn't make them unbeatable next season because we don't know what's going to happen. And I don't know whether this question is also slightly leading because, you know, you don't have to troll too deeply into social media to get lots of suspicions. And this is, But again, this is always the case whenever it comes to any rider who's winning, any team who's winning in cycling more than other sports. And obviously that's because of the history, but not just the history, but the fact that it was exposed. Other sports are dirty. That is without question. Other sports don't investigate themselves as much as cycling has done, and that's to cycling's credit. Until and unless any of us or any journalists, investigative journalists, have anything more to say, there is nothing that we can... We're just guessing from the outside, aren't we? But I do think that if next year either of the two of them falls away, that also won't be a massive surprise. And we'll look back and we'll we'll remember vaguely that we thought they were going to be dominant for years and years, and then they're not. So I think that we sometimes lose a bit of perspective on it that we can't have until it's hindsight. The only difference with Pogaccio, I feel, is that he won his second tour and the second yeah. one's harder to win than the yeah, first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And I think that's, that's, that's the difference, really, is, um, is winning And the way second. he won it, I guess, yeah. as well, yeah. So you, winning a third, you can imagine, be a lot easier than winning his second. So I think it's um, when you're on a roll like that, it's, it's a bit different because he's backed up that performance. But, um, yeah, I mean, we, I don't... It's whether Rolich, if we, we see Rolich in the same position he was last year without the Planche de Belfi and whether he'll still have that minute on him in the run-up. And we didn't get to see that this year because of the crash. I'm going to contradict myself as well and say because UAE are bringing in a team to support Pogacar. Mm. Pogacar's done it not by himself, that's really disrespectful, um, but he hasn't needed a, like a, an yeah. old-school Sky team mm. around him to do it. They're trying to build that around him, so if they've got that as well as Pogacar on top for him, yeah, then yeah, of course it. he could dominate for the next mm. five years. Are we forgetting as well just how hard it is to win one Grand Tour, so to expect a rider to back it up twice in the space of a season? Is that too with much? With Bernal, you mean? Yeah, or, with yeah. Bernal, with Roglic as well, having crashed out of the Tour de France. And that's partly why we've seen him be mm-hmm. so dominant Yeah, but that the stems from Sky as well and Dave wanting to win all three Grand Tours in a year. Yeah. So you start, you know, when they win the, the Giro and Bernal's doing the Giro and the Vuelta from the start of the year, not the Tour, having been a Tour winner, you know, you, you expect them to go two races to win. So, it, you know, you only go on... And people, you know, after after they started doing that, you know, you, you always set, 
Dave sets his bar high, doesn't he? So you kind of have to, you know, anticipate that they may do this. Mm. When you Thank goodness in, for yeah. the sport they haven't managed it. And that's no disrespect to Dave and no disrespect to the team. But the the kind of racing that we have, and, and thank goodness for the same reason, Pogacar's not at the Vuelta. I I was I saw people on, on social media being disappointed that he wasn't here. I was like, thank goodness he's not. I wouldn't want to see that again. It was wonderful to see it at the Tour de France. Yeah. You don't want to see too much dominance for whatever reason, do you? But I wonder if he I wonder if he'd be able to back it up though. I wonder if he'd be able to probably. do it in the same way. Having <laughs> probably would, yeah, but yeah, but not having necessarily the support. Okay, UAE are much stronger this well, year maybe than they not were last. this year. And, you know, yeah. because he's been to Tokyo as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. so maybe in another year. Another man we're expecting a lot from Remco Evenepoel. He's <laughs> won from a solo break two um, one-day races in Belgium, mm. went through his, his hometown today. So he's, he's two wins in three days in one-day races. His form is looking imperious on the way to the Worlds, uh, yeah. a, a Belgian Worlds as well. Can anyone stop him? Well, of course they can, yeah. Um, Van Aert, the likes. But, you know, he went to Tokyo as well. Uh, he had a disappointing Giro, didn't he? You know, mm. But he's come back from a lot, isn't he? And it's just he's getting back to the level he was at probably when he crashed just about mm. a year ago now, wasn't it? Mm. So. At Lombardy. Mm, that's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which we've still got to look forward to as well. I yeah. forget that we've got both Roubaix and uh, an October Roubaix and, uh, and Lombardy to come. We should also mention Mariana Voss winning today in the sprint um, in the Simac Tour. So she out sprinted. She out-sprinted Cassia Niviadoma um, and Chantal Vandenbroek-Black to the line with Vandenbroek-Black, assuming the overall lead. A little bit like Valverde, Mariana Voss, she just won't stop. No, no. And I expect, I, th- I was hoping she'd do better at the Olympics, actually. Mm. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's great, isn't it? It's great for... It goes... It's sort of always, always an add-on, though, isn't it, at the end, really, that she's done that. I know, I know. it's a shame we're not it's, really covering that race on the telly as well. Yeah. We've got it on. We've got your, it on the on the app sport, on GCN. On app. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I've got a feel for Cassia Nevia Doma. She's been so close on so many races. It's felt like, and even in the races where the stage results wouldn't suggest it, because of the way she's been riding, she's looked like she could be a proper contender for a win again. But yeah, second again today, and she had a second at Valter Burgos Femininas, second at Flesh Wallon. You know, it's one of those seasons where she's been so close. But it's hard when you're up against the likes of Mariana Voss, who's mm. clearly in top form again still. And on home roads. Yeah. Um, stage five of the Simac Tour, as we mentioned, on the GCN app uh, tomorrow. Also tomorrow, stage 15 of the Vuelta, the day before the rest day. Brad, what are we looking for? The stage 12 Baraco, 197.5 Ks, nearly 4,000 vertical metres. It's another mountainous affair. Two Cat 1 climbs, four categorised climbs overall. Roglic is going to edge closer to red. Is he going to take it? I think he will. And I think that we'll see a sort of some semblance of what we'll see going into the third week. The real GC battle now, you know, who's whichever way it finishes tomorrow from that GC battle behind, you know, if Bernal comes and takes two minutes tomorrow, things like that. I just think that um, Adam Yates drifting off the back to today mm. was kind of, that was his race done now, really. I can't see him, you know, changing mm. his performance massively into the third week. And, um, you know, those four or five guys that finish today, I think the battle will come from them. Whether that's five, six minutes down on the road from a breakaway, who knows? But I think we'll see some semblance of what the last week's going to look like and, and if Bernal really is going to mount a challenge for the red jersey. Mm. Orla, what do you think? Are Intermarche going to fight to hold on to the red jersey for as long as possible? I mean, they are. Um, but even today, Odd Christian Eiking lost a little bit of time in the final climb and there, there was no sort of a GC attack or anything. 
Um, I think this being his fifth day in red will be remarkable for them anyway, especially since they've had the red with Rian Tarame. But I think like Bradley said, Jumbo Visma have to really, not not to win the race, but just to make all the effort worth it because mm. it's all well and good to say, you know, we've lost the jersey twice deliberately. We don't want to have to defend it. Well, that's fine. But if you're still expending the same energy and controlling the race to the same extent, but you're not in the race lead, get yourselves in the race lead first and then do all of that. Obviously, without him being in red, it means that he doesn't have longer and a mountain top and he doesn't have to do all of the media. But everyone's still coming to Roglic anyway. He doesn't have to do the podium right now. Or does he? he must be. No, he doesn't. He isn't in a jersey. But he's still doing all the post-stage interviews. You might as well get that red in your back and defend that rather than do all the effort trying to, you know, yeah. not get into red. Yeah. So yeah, I, I expect Jumbo Visma to, to lay it down tomorrow. They were riding defensively today. They were expecting attacks. They didn't have them. So tomorrow they've got to just preempt those attacks and, and go on the front foot, really. Mm. But hopefully that'll provoke something from Movistar. That's what I want to see. All right. Well, we're looking forward to it. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport, brought to you by Zwift. Explore, train and compete on the cycling app where fun is fast. Thank you, Walla. Thanks for encouraging Brad to bring up our various car-related <laughs> mishaps. I had nothing to do with that. That was entirely unprovoked. Actually, Brad needs That's no encouragement. That's been building for weeks, obviously, inside Sir Bradley. Mm. <laughs> Brad, thank you, as ever. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Playing it straight now. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, Brad, you're at... Uh, so we go. So we go. Orla on at, social media. At Sports Orla. I'm at Graham Wilgos. Uh, you can follow Eurosport on Twitter at Eurosport underscore UK. Plus, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks to our producer, Pete Burton. Thanks, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, from me, Graham Wilgos. It's goodbye. If you've enjoyed the show, please do subscribe and rate us. Brad, until tomorrow. Nice one. See you later. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.